Welcome to the Tango Juliet Foxtrot podcast. My name is Ian Donnelly. There hasn't been a whole lot to laugh about in British policing for quite a few years now. This podcast is all about what it was really like to be in the British police for the last 30 years. In the podcast, I'll talk about all the different jobs that I did, and I'll interview people who also did some really interesting things. I'll give you my thoughts about what's been going on recently in the news to help you understand how it all works. Spoiler alert, it's not like it is on the telly. This podcast is the real deal. I'm going to be discussing some quite disturbing things from time to time, so listener caution is advised. There may also be a bit of swearing, so best to keep the kids out of the room. Everything I say and have written comes out of a place of great love for British policing. You may not agree with it all, and that's okay. But all I ask is that you listen with an open mind, and if you go away feeling that you know a bit more about what policing is really all about, and perhaps have a bit more empathy for police officers, then I've succeeded. So, here we go. Hello everybody, it's Ian here again. Nice to be back with you, as promised. I said uh, once the book Tango Juliet Foxhot got published, I would be back again with the podcast, and, and here I am. A published author. Oh my goodness. Well, that feels good. Um, a little bit later on, I'm going to be uh, bringing in my wife Kay and we're going to have a chat. Um, it's probably sometimes easier to talk about the whole process of the book and the launch and the feedback and how that all felt um, with someone asking you questions and probing a little bit more rather than me just blabbering on um, the way I do. So, uh, so yeah, she'll come in a little bit and we'll have a, have a chat. So as I tend to, it's probably just worth touching on a couple of recent things, police-related things, which have hit the headlines for one reason or another. Um, first one I just want to touch on is the very lovely... Uh, Chief Constable of Northamptonshire, Nick Adderley, who, for those who listen to my podcast, will know that I interviewed him on the podcast some time ago. Uh, he uh, put his head above the parapet and basically said that there are an there's an unacceptably high rate of dropout of new recruits coming into the police because, in his view, and in the view of the people, uh, you know, sort of training and mentoring them, many of them just aren't ready for the rough and tumble of real world policing they didn't uh, seem to appreciate what they were joining up to do they didn't realize that you know some of them saying things like well i didn't realize i was going to have to work shifts um i didn't have to realize didn't realize i was going to have to work uh, at the weekends um didn't want to uh get involved in anything that potentially involved violence um, and some all sorts of weird and wonderful kind of things that people are coming out with. And uh, he's got a lot of support from the, the police community for that because a lot of people realise that he's speaking, as he often does, speaks the truth, uh, unvarnished truth. Uh, but obviously the College of Policing have come back and tried to, you know, argue that bringing in a load of people who are either graduates or trying to turn them into graduates rather than police officers is a good thing. So 
Um, where am I in all of that stuff? Well, I would say that I mean, what, so just to kind of back up what Nick has been saying, um, I'm getting an awful lot of uh, information from various police sources of mine from around the country, basically saying exactly the same, that they are there are a lot of really brilliant people joining the police under this Operation Uplift, but there's also some, some people who are just temperamentally not cut out for the job at all. Um, I'm hearing some horror stories of uh, people refusing to deal with anyone who's got a V Victor um, violent marker because uh, they say, oh, I'm not going to deal with him because he's got a violent marker. It's just like, well, hold on, you're the police. Who the, who the fuck else is going to deal with them? Um, the uh, other, other things like uh, I heard a very amusing story about a direct entry detective who went... Uh, left an interview in tears because she'd been told by the suspect to go fuck herself um, and she rushed out of the interview um, saying I, I refuse to be spoken to like that. Uh, that various things like that I'm starting to hear quite regularly and thinking oh god well that's not good you know I don't know what these people thought the job was going to be like but um, you know they're just not going to last very long if that's their attitude. Um, but what I, I would say that you know that the police, the police service in the 21st century is a phenomenally complex organisation doing a lot of complex things. A lot more, it's a much more complex job than it was whenever I first joined. So um, I think the challenge for policing isn't is to is to ensure that we've got a mix of people who are able to do all of those different things, um, or at least gravitate towards the things that they're good at. So we are going to need um, people who are big and hefty or even small and tough who are willing to go through a door and take someone out, uh, take a very violent individual out um, and are not going to think about that too much. Equally, we're going to need people who have got digital skills, uh, people who are good at talking to victims of um, you know, domestic abuse and child, child victims of child abuse. So, you know, it's a, it's a mixed economy, isn't it? So, but I do think that there is something there about the whole, do we need everybody in the organisation to be graduates? In my view, no, we don't. And I know that the College of Policing will disagree with that, but I was a graduate. I was quite rare as a graduate when I joined in 1989. Uh, I actually believe that, as I've said in my book, I actually think that being a graduate was a disadvantage to me initially. It took me a lot longer than my peers who had been in other jobs in the rough and tumble of life to, to kind of tune into the world of, of uh, the dysfunctional world that policing steps into. I was definitely at a disadvantage. It took me longer than, than someone who'd maybe come from the army or come from some sort of job where they'd actually had a bit of dirt under their fingernails. So we'll see how that one pans out, but um, if I was a betting man, I think they will step back from this whole graduate thing in the next couple of years, because I think uh, another another undesirable um, outcome of that will be that uh, we are potentially over-promising uh, in terms of what a graduate can expect as a career in the police. The reality is that uh, about 90% of the police workforce 
Uh, I think it's 93% of the police workforce is at PC and sergeant rank. Uh, and that has to be the case. It'll always need to be the case just because of the sheer requirement in terms of numbers uh, to do the job. So uh, a lot of those people who are graduates will have aspirations for promotion, but the reality is that the numbers just don't stack up. Uh, you know, only 7% of the organisation will go beyond the rank of sergeant. So that will potentially lead to a exodus from the organisation um, you know, once people realise that their likelihood of getting promoted is extremely small. Okay, so that's that. Um, the other thing which uh, raised a lot of eyebrows in the last 24, 48 hours was that buffoon um, Boris Johnson dressed up in, uh, looking like a sack of shit, uh, up in Merseyside, wearing a police uniform um, with a ridiculous um, bobble hat on with the word police across the... I, Again, I just, I just, I mean, obviously, you could talk all day about Boris Johnson, couldn't you? I mean, I just think the man's in a, a complete Egypt, as they'd say, in Northern Ireland. But what were Merseyside police thinking about letting him dress up in all that stuff? Um, firstly, he looked absolutely ridiculous. But if he'd gone to visit a hospital, would, would he have been allowed to put on a white coat and put a stethoscope around his neck? No, he wouldn't. So why did they let him dress up in a police uniform? Um, he probably thinks that that was a great PR opportunity. In the end, almost the entire country were laughing at him. Not that he cares. He doesn't care about anything, does he? But I just think it was a monumental misjudgment of Merseyside Police to let him get dressed up and all of that stuff. Uh, it just, particularly considering what this government have done to policing since 2010, I think... Uh, yeah, he's got he's got his police bodyguards there. There's no there's no way on on and you know he needed to have that bulletproof jacket on, uh, the flak jacket. He should have been politely but firmly told, "I'm sorry, Prime Minister, but that's a police uniform, and uh, the only people who wear police uniforms are police officers." Um, so there, there you go. Right, um, enough of me getting hot under the collar about Boris Johnson. Uh, we're going to move into a chat with Kay now about the book. So hope you enjoy that. Hope you find it interesting. And um, yeah, see you next time. Okay, so as I um, promised, um, I would wheel on my lovely... And long-suffering wife, Kay. Yeah, I'll just uh, take the coasters off my feet, shall I, as you wheel me on. <laughs> um, so you met Kay uh, in one of the very earliest episodes. Um, so, darling, nice to have you back on the podcast again. Thank you for having me. <laughs> yes, so here we are in our garden office. Um, it's not a shed, is it? It's an office, no, isn't it? No, it's definitely an office. Um, it's cold, though. It is a bit cold. Um, so we uh, thought it was a good idea just to have a talk about uh, how the kind of book went, what it was like for you being involved in all of this, because it's been quite a project, hasn't it? So, um, so yeah, just to sort of uh, timestamp kind of where we are at the moment. So it's December 2021. The book was published about two and a half weeks ago. Um, and 
Yeah, so it's been a long time in the making, probably the best part of two years, really. So, um, how was it for you, Kay? <laughs> <laughs> how's, how's the whole... Describe the whole process of um, seeing this kind of come together and being sort of, you know, involved in it. Yeah. Because you're married to me, I suppose. Yeah. Um, so I'd say... Because we didn't really know it was going to end up being a published book, I think is what I'd say, is that I think probably initially, after you, not long after you started, I started writing it, um, which was probably I don't know a few months after you left the police. Yeah, it's probably summer two thousand and nineteen, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, I just thought it was a bit annoying to be honest that I'd be trying to watch something on the TV, um, and all I'd hear on a night is this kind of. Clitter, clipper, clatter, clatter of keyboard. Um, yeah. So, but I, and I said, what are you doing? You know, what are you doing? You said, I'm, I'm, I'm writing my uh, book. And I could just kind of like roll my eyes. Yeah, there's um, a lot of eye rolling, wasn't there? There was a bit of eye rolling. But, but then I kind of realised it was part of your kind of separation from the police. And I think... It nearly became a separation from you. It nearly well. became, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, particularly during certain programmes. Um, but no, I and, and I think I recognise that, you, you and you seem to be really enjoying it, which I didn't think we realised that you would. And there was and there was a lot, and we talked about the stories, and it, and it made you reminisce, and I think that was a really important part of leaving um, the job, because I think, as you say, you, 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 you're always a copper, I think, once you've made mm. that commitment and the stuff that you've done. And you can't just stop one day and then go, all right, next day I'm going to do something else. It's always with you. So I think seeing you go through that to be kind of put a put a name to how that was and make, trying to make sense of it, I guess. Um, so, yeah, I think... Yeah, I used to get quite um, defensive about it, didn't I? Um, if you'd tell me off for, you know, what are you writing now? And, you know, I'd be like, I'd be like in the zone. I'd been, you know, and they used to get quite defensive about it. And But I couldn't, I don't think I even described it as I'm writing the book in those days, did I? I, no. I was, it was, no. I'm just writing, I'm yeah. writing. I just need to kind of get this stuff out of my head. Yeah. That was that was um, where my where I was with it all. Yeah. Um, and then, but obviously, as time went on, it it turned into a manuscript, didn't it? It did, and and then it, you kind of look at it. We looked at it at a different in a different way because, and I think it was at a time when the police were starting to get increasing coverage in the media for and, all the wrong reasons. Yeah. For all the wrong reasons, and you were just getting a bit angry, really, and your co friends and ex colleagues were, you know, struggling with to make sense of why that was going on. And then I think we realised there's probably a then then that kind of stream of thought and process because that wasn't in the book initially. No, it was more just a um, memoir, wasn't it? Yeah, really? Yeah. yeah. So um, so yeah, and, and great, and you were obviously with your you know you know your, your colleagues um, trying to make sense and understand why st stuff was being said, and it was and, and why and but I, I, it was that sense of frustration about why there was nobody from the job coming back out to kind of give a, perspe a different perspective. Mm. Um, yeah, there was no balance, was there? No, no. So, so, so it was interesting to see how that evolved and, and, and clearly, and, and, and that's been a huge part of the book um, as well in terms of what it ended up being.
Yeah. Um, so, and and that's a, and that was a that was a deliberate sort of well, it was a sort of a gradual a gradual realization that I need to be speaking up for police officers in the book. Yeah. Um, yeah. As opposed to just telling people what what I did in my career, or you know, trying to help them understand what it's like to be in the police. So. That was a tricky one because then when you then have to turn that into a manuscript that actually flows yeah. um, and, and it's a coherent uh, thing, um, you, you realise that you're trying to do quite a lot there in a single book. You're you're trying to tell people the stories of what you did in your career. You're also trying to tell people how the police changed over all of those years and why. You know, not not for not good or bad, just how it changed because um, it did a lot. And then, and then there's that sort of narrative about how it all went wrong. Um, so trying to kind of turn that into something that feels like a coherent um, uh, piece of work is mm. quite challenging, I yeah. suppose. But that's when... So, yeah, so anyway, fast forward to uh, once the manuscript is written, then there's a long period of, of um, uncertainty and frustration, I think, in trying to get a publisher, wasn't there? Yeah, there was... Um... And I know it's an industry that we know and still don't know that much about, really. But when you'd sent that out, that kind of finished piece of that first draft, um, and sent it out to I don't know, I can't remember dozens how, of yeah how many agents envelopes I saw go out the door. But yeah, and absolutely to get not a fat lot response oh, was virtually really zero. Dis- yeah, you get ignored by. Seventy-five percent um, of them never even get back to you, and the other twenty-five percent. Um, you know, get back to you about it a year. In fact, some of them are still getting back to me, turning me down. <laughs> and I was like, just let you know the book's actually been published now. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> but yeah, so um, yeah, so anyway, and this is what I'd say to anybody who wants to write a book, who's got a book in their head, um, and you've got a story to tell or whatever, whatever it is, whether it's fiction or non-fiction, um, get it into the very best shape that you possibly can. Um, and then you just have to, unfortunately, there's no um, shortcuts to kind of getting it into the hands of a publisher. Mm. Um, you just have to follow the advice that other writers will give you and then wait, really, unfortunately. And eventually, 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 I, I did end up getting, I got two offers inside a week, didn't you I? Did, you did. did you self-publish it as well? No, no, no I didn't. That was just what you started reading on no. the podcast. I can't remember if you no, did that I, step or not. Yeah, so I had this weird situation where it was all kind of, silent for ages and I was getting so pissed off and frustrated about that um I put so much effort into it it becomes such a labor of love um and then suddenly I got two offers within a week from two different publishers mm. um who were who ended up sort of you know doing a massive kind of charm offensive yeah, which was weird because I went from like zero to hero didn't I, I went from yeah. nobody wants to talk to me like to like them argue like making me you know all these sort of um, promises and things. So, so yeah, so that was that was nice. And but then obviously then you realise, oh shit, this is actually once you've signed a contract, you think shit, this is actually going to happen now. Yeah. Uh, and that's quite scary, isn't it? It is. And and for you, how was that process of working with the editor? Um, it was brilliant. I really enjoyed it. That was during the summer. So you're um, again. This is for anyone who's never published a book before. It's interesting because I knew absolutely zero about the publishing industry, and it's a bit of a it's a bit of a sausage factory, isn't it? In the sense that there are various authors lined up who've written books that the publishing house want or or, or are going to publish, um, and you're in that queue, I suppose. And uh, and and it's all really quiet. Nothing seems to be happening. 
and then suddenly the whole publishing house um, gives you their undivided focus for about six weeks, and 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 they're just like, um, and you're 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 on that phase of the sausage factory where uh, you're getting absolutely everything, and and that was pretty intense. That was during the summer, mm. so I did a lot of work with obviously the editor James, who, who who to be fair to him, he said you know the the, the manuscript is kind of ninety percent there already. Um, uh, he said, which is very unusual, and that was that was nice to be told that. Um, but there's still a lot of work in terms of you know literally going through every single line of the book, and he would do like a chapter, I don't know, a day or something, and then send me the word document. I'd have to go through and either agree or disagree with his mm. observations and changes or comments or suggestions mm. or whatever. So so yeah, but but reading the fully edited manuscript at the end of that process was an absolute joy and it was like night and day wasn't it yeah it was i mean what if you would kind of look back from that first draft manuscript to the end product what what for you do you think is the the kind of biggest changes in terms of how that evolved i think it's just uh the flow of the, the flow of the manuscript really um i think it 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 um it all felt a bit lumpy, really. I mm. suppose if you look back, oh God, if you look back at sort of the, the earliest manuscripts, they are, they are really clunky compared to the final thing. Mm. Um, and there's something about an editor; they are so eagle-eyed. They see, they spot things really, really that you hadn't seen. They just go, "No, you've used that word too many times," or, "Or oh, that paragraph would go better mm. after that paragraph," whatever. And they just know how it flows. Mm. And James did a fantastic job. And so yeah, it's just. Uh, but yeah, interesting to have been part of that process mm. um, when you've never done it before. Yeah, the bit the bit for me what I th that I think evolved was the um, the way you added in elements based on fact facts mm. and figures um, with the objective of letting people form their own opinions yeah. to get that balance. Um, because you were researching quite a lot of what was available in terms of public information and, and everything you've quoted there, I know, is available on the internet because we were quite nervous about that, weren't we? Yeah, um, yeah, and but, I checked and checked and double-checked and yeah, triple-checked. Yeah, but um, but I think that's the biggest difference that I saw is is that, that factual element which you, you, know, you could provide for people independently mm. and for people to own their... their Form their own views, which I think is a really important part of. Yeah, it the is because other, otherwise, if I hadn't done that, it would have just come across as a bit of a, a kind of a disgruntled, uh, you know, rant about how shit things are in policing, mm. and um, and I thought, well, yeah, anyone can write that book, you know, mm. um, but what what was really important to me was that everything I said was going to be backed up with with facts mm. around. Mm crime rates, homicide levels, you know, um, staffing, percentages of, you know, all this kind of stuff. It all had to be factual. Um, and then and then you've got to say to people, well, you you make your own mind up whether you think this is whether, uh, you know, whether the whether the policing has is in a good place or a bad place. You know, I'll tell you that I, th I think it's in a bad place and this is why I think that. But um, but yeah, so there was a lot of a lot of research and checking, fact checking, and mm -hmm. certainly James was very hot on that. He says, "Okay, can you just double, triple check that what you've said here is correct?" Mm -hmm. and, and I'd have to go, "Oh shit, where did I, where did I find that?" I have to go back to the original source, whether it was Office for National Statistics or 
um, you know, home office figures or whatever. Mm -hmm. But um, so then anyway, fast forward to sort of like the period just before publication. So that was an interesting period because um, the, the, the book was meant to be published um, in um, October, early October. But that was right in the eye of the storm over the whole Sarah Everard, uh, Wayne Cousins um, mess. Uh, and, and there was so much hostile press going on uh, towards policing. And uh, we had a long chat about it with the publishers and, and they were very nervous about uh, releasing the book in, into that very hostile environment. Um, and we talked about, you know, the pros and cons of doing that, you know. Um, but anyway, ultimately a decision was made that we would hang hang fire and, and push the publication date back about six weeks to mid-November, mm. uh, which is what we did in the end. And, and there's pros and cons to both of that, both of that, that you know, sides of that argument, aren't there? Yeah, there are. But, but I think for you, on a personal level, I think that made you very, very anxious, given what was going on in the media. Oh, I was shitting that, myself. I know. Um, yeah, I know. Um, and leading up to the day when it, when it was actually, you know, launched and available. Oh, um, yeah. how, how, how was that for you, darling? <laughs> <And> then, <laughs> I was, I'd like to share my view. Yeah, I was shitting myself. <laughs> I don't mind admitting that. Um, you know, I stand by every single word that I've written in that book. Um, and I'm happy to go head to head with anyone on, on all of that stuff. But the reality is that when you put your head above the parapet in a atmosphere which is so hostile towards policing and, and where police leaders themselves appear to be either silent or completely on the ropes. People like Cressida Dick, she was on the ropes, wasn't she? Um, and, and then you step into that environment with a book that's basically saying the police have been completely shafted here mm. um, and, these, and this is why. Um, that was terrifying, and, and I didn't, the night before publication, as you know, darling, uh, I didn't sleep at all. No, you didn't. Um, I was really anxious about it. Yeah. And you, bless you, had organised a little party, hadn't you? I had. Well, yeah, I thought we needed to do something to celebrate the fact that, you know, you amazingly got this book not just written but launched available printed and th that first copy that came into the house we were just so excited yeah it was very exciting wasn't it um but yeah but against your can you said there was a few eggshells around you yeah well i got the hump didn't i basically <laughs> <laughs> i got the hump because you'd, you'd hump. said you'd organized a little party and invited some people around the day of publication and i basically said no i don't want that i said because because yeah. this is going to be a shit storm potentially and um, uh, and I'd rather wait and see how it landed uh, before I kind of celebrate anything because yeah. it could be a complete car crash, you know what I mean? Uh, I could get journalists outside my door. Unfortunately, that hasn't happened, but um, I'd, I'd rather just wait a bit. But anyway, um, you were quite adamant that uh, we should do it. And, and actually, it was lovely, wasn't it? It was really nice. And Yeah, I, I did have to cancel the... Coldstream Guards and the yeah. uh, dancing girls from showing up, but uh, but yeah, no, it was just a couple of friends and family just to have a drink and a piece of cake. Yeah, and you made it. You got a lovely cake, sort of like <laughs> with a picture of the book cover on the cake. It that it had all edible 
an edible book, wasn't it? it was. So yeah, no, it was really nice. And um, and anyway, um, as it happens, it turns out I had nothing to worry about um, because everything's gone really well, hasn't it? It has. Um, yeah, no, it, it has. It's the receptions of the book has been absolutely fantastic. Um, fantastic reviews so far. Um, I've had so many private messages, emails, text messages, you know, Facebook messages. People who are really made up about it. They're really enjoying reading it. They're they're finding it funny, interesting, heartwarming. I got a lovely message from a guy uh, who was an ex-police officer the other day. It was a private message via Facebook and. And he said, I've just finished reading your book. He says, and if I'm honest, it, I've loved it, um, but it's made me feel very raw um, because, you know, I've realised how much trauma I've been holding inside me and I've realised how frustrated and angry I am about the way that the police, police service has been treated. Um, thank you, you know, for, for, for writing it and for speaking for us. And I thought that was such a nice thing to, to hear. Mm. Um, because, yeah, I felt raw very often when I was writing it. And um, uh, so, yeah, it's been brilliant. The reception's been absolutely fantastic. Um, I've done quite a lot of stuff with the media, haven't I? Yeah, a few uh, interviews and yeah. um, hopefully a few more. I think the only thing I'd say is that I think after that launch date, we expected, expected there to be a bit more activity. And it's kind of been what, what, what you've created through your kind of social mm. media. Um, but I guess it's kind of more going to be more of a kind of slow burn in terms of yeah. activities and interviews. Yeah, it's a marathon, not a sprint, yeah. isn't it? And, yeah, um, and I think because it's only a hardback at the moment, it's hardback and Kindle at the moment. So not everybody buys hardbacks, do they? Mm. Um, it's a sort of a, not an insignificant um, investment, you know, particularly if you pay the full recommended retail price that, that hardly any of the booksellers appear to be. It's twenty. It's meant to be 20 quid, isn't it? Mm. But in reality, you can pick it up. I mean, the, the price fluctuates um, all over the place on Amazon. One day it's like 13.95, and then the next day it's 16.50, and God only knows how that works. But, um, but yeah, it, basically, um, the uh, yeah the, I don't I don't know um, but then on Waterstones it's twenty quid you know so mm. why would you buy it off Waterstones when you can buy it off Amazon for a lot not, less? Not you know? sure you should actually be saying that. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, right. but no, I think you're right. I think the how it's been received has been really really positive, and both cops and non-cops, but even the people um, you know so, so across the board. Um, and I think what I kind of enjoyed reading is some of the, the feedback you've got from people who don't necessarily agree with everything you say mm. but at least it's starting some of those conversations because at the end of the day it's it's a lot of it is just your opinion yeah um particularly on where where things are and, and what could be done but mm. i think it's great to have that debate for mm. people to start thinking what could be done if it was to change like like you would for any organization it feels yeah. a lot healthier yeah yeah well um, i think the reality is that if, if nothing else it's going to generate uh, uh start a conversation and you know and i've been absolutely clear right from the start that the, the book was written out of out of love for the police um and some of that's going to be tough love isn't it um some of the people who read it aren't going to be terribly um happy with with what i've been saying but um uh, frankly, I don't really care. And there's an, that's an interesting point, isn't it? So let's talk about that for a minute. Psychologically, when you leave the police, it, it takes you a while to figure out kind of who you are. Um, you lose your identity as a police officer, so you become a private citizen and you, you're able to... 
And I find that incredibly liberating because um, when you're a police officer, you are not allowed to have an opinion about so many things. Uh, and you're certainly, you might not have an opinion, but you generally have to keep it in your head. Uh, you're certainly not allowed to express it in a professional capacity. So it took me quite a long time to be able to break away from that mindset, to be able to find my, I know it sounds a bit poncy to say it, but to be able to find my voice, I suppose. Mm -hmm. Boy, have you found it now. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, yeah, well, there's just so much bullshit, isn't there? When you're in the when you're in the police, you know, you, you have to listen to so much bullshit, don't you? Whether it's bullshit from suspects in interviews, whether it's bullshit from lawyers, whether it's politicians on the TV, whether it's senior officers, you know, who are just in a collective state of. Uh, I want to say not all senior officers. I've made that really clear. It's not all senior officers, but an awful lot of them are just. It, in a in a little echo chamber of bullshit, um, and everyone knows it. Everyone sits there listening to them spiting off about some nonsense or other. When actually, what they'd much rather be doing is keeping the public safe. Mm. Um, that's what people join the police to do. They, to join the police to keep the public safe. They don't join the police to take part in some, you know, bullshit social engineering gimmicky project or something. You know which seems to be the flavour of the month in policing. Mm, mm. Well, it's not the flavour of the month, it's about the flavour of the last 10 years, isn't it? Mm, yeah, absolutely. Anyway. So, so what now? What's, what's next? What do you want to happen well, in the next few weeks and months with the, with the book? And I think it's just watch the space, see how it develops. Um, you know, I've got some more interviews lined up. Rob Rinder wants to get me... Um, I love in, Rob Rinder. He's good. He's a top bloke, isn't he? he he wants to. Uh, I had an interview with him on his on talk radio, but he wants to get me in the studio and have a proper interview. He's really enjoyed the book and and was really enthusiastic about it. Um, so yeah, we'll just uh, keep going, keep doing, keep doing what I'm doing, really. But my focus, as you know, darling, has changed slightly, hasn't it? So mm -hmm. my head was just so completely full of book, the book, whereas now it's my head's gone back into business again. Yeah. Um, so yes, yeah, so I'm going to be a director of a tech startup aren't I? Yeah, very exciting. And uh, really exciting, yeah. Um, so it's a company called um, Aquila Intelligence Solutions, um, which has got a solution called Aquila Digital, I'm shamelessly plugging it on my podcast. So what that is, is a very clever way of gathering information and intelligence from the internet and presenting it in an evidential way for uh, courts, for prosecutors, um, and also for transferring data around the place. Sorry, it's a bit bit boring for the podcast, but but no, I'm really I'm really excited about that and looking forward to getting stuck yeah. in. And and you're um, having had a little career break. You're going back to work again in January, aren't you? I am. I'm very excited about that. Joining a a, a new team. Um, I met I met, I met a couple of weeks ago, but uh, yeah, all good. A big corporate that shall remain nameless for the moment. <laughs> yeah, well, until I start anyway. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, no, all good. So, uh, so yeah, different. Certainly a different 2020. 2022 is going to be very different to 21, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're going to be on it again, work-wise. I sure am. I'm going to be on it again. Yeah. From a business point of view, and I suppose the book stuff will be going on in the background, really. Yeah. But I do intend to carry on doing the podcast because I enjoy it and I think other people enjoy it. So, uh, so yeah. We're good. I think we're probably done, aren't we? Yeah, I think so. 
Mm-hmm. Can I get some lunch? All right. <laughs> Thank you very much indeed. Okay. <laughs> Once we had a policeman, he was often in our street. We used to smile and wave at him while walking on his beat. But now we never see him, it really makes us frown. No longer do we feel that we're the safest street in town. Oh. Ooh, 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 ooh. <laughs>